This time on Novell Open Audio, Jason Williams, Novell Product Manager for Open Enterprise Server 2, comes in to tell us it's shipped. Welcome to Novell Open Audio, the podcast that connects the Novell user community with what's going on inside and around the Novell universe. I'm your host, David Mayer. And I'm Aaron Quill. Today we got a chance to sit down and talk to Jason Williams, and Jason went into depth, told us everything, or at least the major things that are in Open Enterprise Server 2. It's shipped. It, it has shipped. You can go out and you can download it right now. If you receive the connections library, the DVDs are on the way. And it's looking good. Yeah, so let's actually go ahead and listen to what Jason has to say about what's in it. Today, Dave and I have the infamous Jason Williams in to talk to us about OES2. Jason, good morning. Oh, good morning. I'm back once again. Sorry about that. So, Jason, we just shipped OES2. Oh, I know. Amazing, isn't it? That, that's got to be just an absolute huge sigh on your it, part because oh you've been working on this for a tremendous time, I know, from yeah. with a PRD and everything. Yeah, two and a half years of effort, you know, <laughs> hundreds of thousands of man hours, millions of test cases. I mean, it's just absolutely phenomenal. So we're just so happy that this is finally out there in the hands of our customers. You know, we're at Gartner doing the launch. It's just phenomenal. So quick high-level overview. What's in it? Why do I want it? You want it for a number of reasons. Number one, as far as I'm concerned, it, it really is for finalizing the transition from NetWare for the vast majority of our customers. If you think about all the things that they've ever used on NetWare, NetWare being the sum of the services it provides, not the kernel code that's underneath it, it really does clean up all of those services and bring them forward. You know, clustering, iPrint, we've got directory integrated DNS and DHCP. Boy, did I hear about that all the time. Anybody that ever asked for that, you've got it. Yeah, you know, in there, centralized management in the directory. Just all that stuff that everybody wanted. We've added like things like a new file system management uh, gadget to iManager. So you don't have to go to Novell Remote Manager or use the client to do file system management. You can so do so what, what do I have to do? Just go to iManager. It's right in there. You go to file storage, you browse down, you can see your volumes, do inherited rights filters, trustee assignments, all the stuff, quotas, everything you've ever wanted and been able to do with Console One Network Admins now in iManager for that. So. But that's for NSS. Those features that you mentioned as file system features are NSS. Can we also manage other file systems? Not at the moment, but, you know, we actually, now we've got it in there, we have the plan to actually go down to POSIX file systems and get that. So we're working on that right now. Uh, further bulletins as events warrant. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, we've got dynamic storage technology. I mean, just about saving you money. And dynamic storage, we've got a dedicated episode that goes into great detail on it. Yeah, that absolutely. So go review ago. that episode. That tells you all about it. A whole new version of iFolder. Oh, what version is that? Uh, it's iFolder 3.6. Okay. So all the features you ever really loved about iFolder 2.1, you know, things like encryption, yep. stuff like that, is now in 3.6, plus all of the best bits of iFolder 3.2 and 3.4 and 3.0, and not only that, some additional features as well that people have just been screaming at us, uh, scalability, unlimited numbers of servers. So you can just keep adding iFolder servers and keep scaling your system. Multiple storage volumes. So now if you're running out of space on a storage volume, I mean, I, Novell runs a multi-terabyte iFolder system itself. Sure. Keep adding volumes. Running out of space, no problem. Add a new storage volume. 
if you're getting if you add new storage volume you can move iFolders from one storage volume to another so very very easy to split your storage up and get it running um, new reporting system so every every night every week every month you can get a report in your iFolder system guess where we can put it straight in a system-wide iFolder reports iFolder if you are a member oh, of, cool. it gets delivered to your desktop every time the report's generated. Just makes sense. We have a system Absolutely. for delivering files to you. Why not use it? So sure. we've done that as well. Uh, multiple domain support. Okay. Say you're running a company. Say you're running multiple companies, Acme.com and Widget.com. You can now say, yeah, I have this system, but I'll split them up into two separate domains. So these guys are on Acme.com. These guys are on Widget.com. They have their own dedicated URL to access iFolder. You know, like ifolder.acme.com sure and uh, not a real URL and so <laughs> you can actually then split the system up so they never actually talk to each other they think they've got their own dedicated systems and more and more whole new web interface client okay your client interface massively improved uh, there's no Java client or anything like that way quicker anything you can do with an ifolder from your desktop you can do from the web client create a new iFolder, share a current iFolder, view the history of sharing, uh, transfer ownership of an iFolder to somebody. Oh, so cool. they're now the owner. Yeah. Uh, view orphaned iFolders so you can reassign them. Um, upload and download files, a whole host of stuff. So it's uh, really excited about that. And we're not done with iFolder yet. I was just talking to the iFolder team yesterday about uh, what iFolder 3.6 SP1 will look like next year and what we're doing uh, for iFolder 4. So lots of stuff happening. And I assume that also includes all the clients, too, because I noticed, like, on, on Sled SP1, the iFolder client's no longer there. Yeah, we we did that for a particularly good reason, is the fact that iFolder 3.6 wasn't ready. And what I didn't want to do was ship an older version of iFolder that may not work properly with 3.6. Okay. So we took it out. We've got uh, iFolder 3.6 client for Sled 10 SP1, uh, 32-bit and 64-bit. Uh, obviously, Windows XP client because sure. you know it's out there. We'll be having a Windows Vista client very soon. Windows Vista x86 and x64, or cool. x32 and x64, and also working on an iFolder client for Mac OS. Where? Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> Intel and PowerPC dual binary. Very cool. So we're coming up with that as well. That's uh, underway. The clients have improved, okay. uh, more stable, and uh, got a little bit of a. Uh, user interface update. Oh, yeah. Also, you know something else we added into iFolder? The ability to do something like salvage in an iFolder. Oh, excellent. Oh, yeah, so if you're going to, one of the big problems we have with iFolder is if somebody deleted a file in your shared folder, you'd have to go back to the admin and get them to restore it, which okay. was kind of hard. Right. Uh, so now you can actually go into the web client interface, view the iFolder, see the deleted files, and restore the one you want. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, and for the admin, even though we've included encryption back in the product, we only encrypt the file physically. We don't encrypt the file name, and we don't encrypt the directory infrastructure. So oh. you can back it up, yep. and then if someone comes in and says, hey, can you restore fred.txt? Yeah. They restore fred.txt. Just don't uh, save your passwords as file names. Uh, no, that's a really, really bad idea, but <laughs> good point. Well Nothing made. to do with iFolder, just a bad idea in general. Indeed. Yeah, really well, we, bad We've idea. heard a huge amount about iFolder. There's got to be other great things about OES, too. Let's start at the very bottom. What kernel version are we going to have? So we're actually based off SLES 10 SP1. Support for SLES 10 x86 and x86-64 versions. So we have separate binaries for the 64-bit version of SLES. Very good because all of the services are full 64-bit. Take full advantage of the extra processing power you get from single-core, multi-core, multi-socket CPUs. A lot of work with Intel, a lot of work with AMD, 
HP, Dell, IBM, Fujitsu, Siemens, all of the major hardware vendors we've been working very hard with. So you not only get the additional scalability from the 64-bit CPUs today, but also the extra memory. You want to throw 16 gig in a server? Go for it. No problem at all. Of course, doesn't end there. Zen virtualization. Uh, of course, yes. Open Enterprise Server 2, fully ready for Zen virtualization. That includes both Linux and NetWare. So we include NetWare 6.5 Support Pack 7 in the box, same as we did with OES 1. SP7 uh, is ready for virtualization because it can run para-virtualized. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. So you have an AMD V or Intel VT, you know, the hardware-accelerated CPUs. Yep. You get full advantage by installing SP7 in there. And SP7 is just support pack 7 virtualized it's not a weird version of netware or something that we've actually hacked it up we spend a lot of time a lot of effort on making sure that sp7 is ready for either physical or virtual and when it boots all it does is it simply looks at the cpu gets the zen string back and loads in just the right kernel code available to do virtualized uh, para virtualized netware what kind of performance are you getting out of para-virtualized network? You know, we actually had it in the super lab, and we've been running a whole bunch of tests. Just to give you an idea, one of the tests we ran, one of the tests we run always on NetWare is the 1,000-user login test. Sure. This is, I've got 1,000 users logging in simultaneously. How long does it take to log in the first to the last? And then we actually take a benchmark. The last thing we saw with uh, Support Pack 7 was that on the same machine, uh, SP7 Virtual was 99% of the performance of physical Sweet for that test. Now, you're going to get some performance differences depending on what you're doing with NetWare. So if you're running, you know, like a virtual disk on a SAN and everything else, you're going to get less performance because you're talking to a virtual disk. Yeah. But no one ever virtualizes anything in any virtual machine infrastructure because you want great performance. Right. What you do is you do it for different reasons. Um, I'll give you a clean example here of Novell's own IST department. Uh, they run an eight-node cluster for the, our LDAP servers. So you know what they've done? They've moved four of those servers virtual. Yeah. So our four primary servers are physical. Our four backup servers are running in a cluster in a Zen virtual machine environment. Now, if one of the physical nodes fails, it cuts over to one of the virtual nodes. But you know saying That's perfectly okay. Yep. Because... You're taking a small hit in performance, but if, frankly, from the end user point of view, you're never going to see the difference. Yeah. To me, the whole using clustering on virtual machines just really gets super interesting because you're just like you described, you're able to take one box now and do a, have, in effect, a live backup hot spare ready to go for four other boxes. Absolutely. It's absolutely perfect. Uh, so that's the other thing as well is we talked a lot about the fact that we've done you know 64-bit support, Zen virtualization for both Linux and NetWare. Cluster services has been improved as well. Uh, we've actually got support for the Open Cluster Foundation scripts. Oh, cool. So if you have an Open Cluster Foundation script for Apache, you can feed that into Novell Cluster Services, and it'll convert that to an NCS load script. Oh, very cool. So that's very, very nice. So made some performance tweaks there as well. You can now run a rolling cluster upgrade, so you can upgrade your NetWest 6.5 cluster straight to OES 2. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So it's a rolling cluster upgrade. You never take the cluster down. You can run a mixture of NetWare, Linux, 32-bit, 64-bit, and virtualized nodes in the same cluster whilst you're doing it. Oh, and the end user shouldn't your even cake notice. And eating it. Uh, you know, you, there is just no downside to doing this because <laughs> it's so simple and easy to do for our customers. They can say, yeah, I can do virtual, I can do physical, I can have 32-bit, I can have 64-bit, I can have NetWare, I can have Linux. 
yeah, where, where's the downside on that one when you're actually trying to do a rolling cluster upgrade? So, and of course, 64-bit support for Novell cluster services. So if you, you're upgrading, you can go from NetWare straight to 64-bit and a rolling upgrade and add virtual nodes. But please do not run your entire cluster in one physical machine. <laughs> I had one guy actually come up and ask me that. He was like, I'm really pumped about this. I can run my whole cluster just in the one physical machine. You let me know how that works out for you. <laughs> yeah. I'll contact you when you're in the unemployment line. Just because you can doesn't seem mean Absolutely. You so, yeah, lots of upgrades for Novell Cluster Services, uh, lots of support there. Novell Storage Services, done huge amounts of tuning on that thing. Massive changes to the way the caching works, so we're now way better integrated with uh, not only the Linux caching system, but made changes to the Media Manager and uh, NSS Cache. So now NSS on Linux has the same caching methodology to NetWare. In other words, any spare memory in that server is given to NSS for its cache. Oh, cool. You add more memory, you get more NSS cache. You keep adding more memory, you get more NSS cache. Put 32 gig in the server, you've got 16 gig spare, you've got a 16 gig NSS cache. So lots of changes and enhancements there, and of course compiled for 64-bit as well. I mean, NSS has always been a 64-bit tree balance file system. But now it's a 64-bit tree parents file system running on a 64-bit CPU with 64-bit memory addressing. iPrint's had a whole bunch of updates. We've got the new iPrint client management, so you can now do printer push down to the workstation. The so what does that mean? That means basically you can define that a container, if someone logs in using the Novell client through a container, you can push a printer down to their workstation. Oh, okay. So you don't even have to go to the iPrint page to deliver a printer to the workstation. It'll get pushed straight down there. Okay. Uh, also means we have this print agent uh, redirection. So if you're decommissioning a printer, you can now automatically point that iPrint queue to a new printer, and it will automatically download the new driver. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so, so you don't you're... even have to notify the users. That oh, the, no. That so if somebody's printing to a LaserJet 4, you get a LaserJet 5, and cut the queue over. It'll automatically download the LaserJet 5. Uh, drivers. Oh, and configure them. You know, what got a duplexer, yep. stuff like that. Automatically configure that down there. Uh, wow, we got iPrint clients for Sled SP1, 3264, Mac OS X. Cool. Yeah, uh, PowerPC and Intel. Uh, Windows XP, of course, Windows 2000, Windows 95, and Vista, Vista 32 and Vista 64. Oh, excellent. Yeah, so iPrint clients for everything. We don't have an iPrint client for a PDA yet, but <laughs> hey, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, lots of updates to iPrint there as well. Uh, changes to the way we do the mapping tool to allow um, to create iPrint maps. Um, lots of changes to scalability. So it's uh, thousands of printers off a single server, you know, gigabytes worth of print jobs. So it's just the best printing system out there. Oh, man. Oh, Novell Client, of course. Great. Lots of updates there as well. Uh, new 4.91 SP4 was released here about a couple of months ago. Uh, we added 8021X wireless authentication support. Everybody okay. been asking for that. Just so we're clear on that, what that means is when I first turn my workstation on, if it's got to authenticate to the access point, I can actually authenticate with my um, e-directory username and password. Yeah. It'll then pass that authentication and over. You do it through the Novell client. Okay. So you go up to the Novell client and you log in as you do normally, and it will first of all log into the wireless network using your e-directory username and password. Okay. Then log into e-directory using your e-directory username and password. Then it will log into the workstation using your e-directory username and password. That's awesome. One shot login. A lot of people have asked for that one. It's that's eat-based authentication. Uh, that's eat-based authentication. Okay. We use Excellent. the um, we actually use the Microsoft's own wireless authentication supplicant. Okay. Because there's no need to build our own. Sure. It's out there. It works, and it works directly with the Microsoft networking. So, it was just easy to do that. Of course, Windows client for Vista 1.0 right. is out there as well. 32 and 64 again. 
Uh, so everybody wanted that. And that has 802.1x authentication built in. Uh, we also have the new Novell client for Linux 2.0. We're just about to release that. We have uh, 32 and 64 clients for Open uh, OpenSUSE as well as SLED. Okay. A lot of people have asked for that, so we went ahead and did it for them. i got to stop you there, Jason. How many hard disks does this come on? <laughs> it can't possibly come on DVDs. The actual Open Enterprise server. It just sounds like there's so much there, you couldn't possibly hope to fit it on DVDs. We actually fitted it on a CD. No way. I kid you not. We've got two CDs wow. for Open Enterprise Server 2. One 32-bit and one 64-bit architecture, and that is it. And it's not even a full CD. That's how efficient we've been at getting this code light, small, and taking up less memory footprint than ever before. We've done a really great job. Of course, it's uh, inline installation with Celeste 10 SP1. Mm-hmm. So during the install of Celeste 10, you just say you've got an add-on product, put in the Open Enterprise Server 2 CD, everything gets installed at the same time. Do you know what that means? If you have any piece of hardware with a certificate for Celeste 10, it automatically gets an OES2 oh, certificate. Excellent. No separate certification path at all. And that's been a big boon for our backup and antivirus vendors. When you talk to people like Computer Associates and Legato and all the rest of them, they are so there for supporting OES2 with NSS volumes on Celeste 10 SP1. Very cool. And the antivirus vendors, Sophos, McAfee, Symantec, all the rest of them. So it's, it's really, really good. So we talked about clients. What about on the back end? Uh, what version of the e-directory? We're using e-directory 8.8, the very latest e-directory Excellent. support pack one. So that is the latest shipping e-directory from Novell. So that's right there, and we're fully integrated into that. New version of iManager uh, to go with that, 2.7. So that's uh, good news as well because that's uh, improved a lot since 2.5 and 2.6. Okay. So that's cool. And also those customers that are interested, we're updating the version of Identity Manager. So very shortly, uh, in fact, just uh, here in just a few weeks, Identity Manager 351 mm-hmm. bundle edition will be available to OES2 customers, including connectors for eDirectory, Active Directory, and NT domains, which we've done in the past. So uh, that's a neat update there as well. So when you say available to customers, what does that really mean? What it means is that any OES2 customer will be able to go through Novell Customer Center. It'll know that you're an OES2 customer. And then you'll be presented with the ability to go get Identity Manager 351 Bundle Edition, download it, and get your activation key straight through Novell Customer Center. So that's free stuff? Free stuff for customers. Excellent. Oh, Customer Center, patches and updates. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we're not going to do it to our customers again. So we changed the patch and update mechanism for OES 2 to go through Novell Customer Center exactly like SLES 10. Okay. So when you install OES 2... When you install Slash 10, you get that point where you can put in registration yep. code. Mm-hmm. Well, what we do is we modify that. So now you put in your Slash 10 and your OES2 registration codes. That gets registered with the Novell Customer Center. All patches and updates are fed down exactly the same way. Excellent. So no different mechanism, no changes, no updates, no anything that says we're out of step or out of sequence. You get all the updates as they're available for Slash 10 and all the updates as they become available for OES2 with full dependency checking. So you go check something for OES2 to do an update, and if it needs something from the SLES distribution for that to work, it'll automatically do dependency resolution and download that at the same time. Oh, very cool. And also, if you update something in SLES10 that requires a change, like a kernel update, it'll automatically resolve those dependencies and download the correct modules uh, to update things like Novell Storage Services. So all completely automated. Yeah. And you so get them all at the same time. All at the just, same time. Yeah all through Novell Customer Center, so it's a way better experience. We're very, very pleased that we've, we've pulled this off. You know, that was one of the other things, working with our uh, beta sites. 
is we've had incredible feedback from our beta sites about just how good and how solid this product is looking. Uh, one of the metrics for success that we looked at, we look at in every, any release is how many beta sites have said we're ready to ship. And we had 90% of the beta sites not only said they were ready to ship, but would buy the product as soon as it was released. Oh, cool. And the other 10%, they just hadn't responded, or a couple of them said, well, the question is too generic, because I've really been testing this bit, this bit, and this bit, and that's ready, but I can't attest to the other bits because I haven't tested them. Yep. And it's fair enough. You can't argue with that kind of reasoning. So, Well, let's put some context in that. There were more than 10 beta sites and more than nine said uh, we it, have it was ready. 100 active beta sites right and we had 90% of the respondents i mean i think within one day we had 47 people responded and 42 of them within one day had said this is ready to ship and ship it and we'll buy it uh, and i know you're not going to be able to give us names of organizations but we're not talking about joe's car repair no we're we're talking some major organizations um some of them have you know in excess of 30 40,000 users geographically dispersed sites all around the world and larger i mean we're talking very serious organizations some fortune 500s we got some fortune 500s in there very good oh not only that we also have what we term lighthouse accounts these are people that we actually, outside the beta program, which, again, very large customers, that we work directly with to get OES2 in their organization and in production and up and running. And we have several customers that have OES2 in production. One of them rolled it out. They rolled it out on Monday the 1st. Deployed it before it was released. Absolutely. They it's, did. Yeah, they it's, were really, it's kind really, of like an early release or a beta of this yeah. recording. We had several customers that were running early betas in production. Oh, excellent. Don't we tell them not to do that? We do, but we were actually there just in case. But we're kind of happy when they do it. Yeah. <laughs> but you know something? We had actually a couple of customers come back and tell us just how stable things were. Oh, that's cool. Which is great. And we even had Novell Technical Services, Novell's own NTS department, sent an email back to the engineering team saying, thank you. Yeah. This thing's been so stable. And so good, it's been easy to, easier to work with. Actually, I got a huge compliment for you. I don't want to put oh. the person on the spot, but one of our very good friends up in Canada who's been with the company for a very, very long time, I was chatting with him a couple months ago and asked him, you know, so, so how's it looking? What does OES2 look like? And he said, honestly, in the past, oh, my gosh, I think this guy's been here 12-plus years. This is the most stable and the best server-side OS he's ever seen a ship. Yeah, and, we've, and this doesn't come lightly from this guy. Uh, I think I know who that is. Yeah. So, <laughs> hey, Mr. C. <laughs> <laughs> I've been involved with, from a product management point of view, you know, six-plus years at Novell working with various different products and everything else. And without a shadow of a doubt, this is by far and away the most positive response we've ever had on any product that I know of inside this company that we've shipped. It's absolutely phenomenal. So we're, uh, we're so pleased. Another, just another example of how the interest is off the scale. We did a webinar series last week, and uh, we had a webinar series, ran it three times, to Asia-Pacific, uh, EMEA, and then North America. We had over 1,600 sign-ups which is a huge amount, but it was the conversion of sign-ups to people attending is the big metric. Yeah, because I've signed up you for can a get ton 10, of You can get 10 million people sign up and like 10 people actually turn up. So what you normally guarantee, and the industry average is the fact that you'll guarantee 15% will turn up is a good metric. 15% of the people that sign up. For the Asia Pack seminar, web seminar, we had over 25% hit rate. And that's cool. for Asia Pacific... Yeah. Because, you know, it's 
it's delivered in English. So, you know, there's obviously uh, some, some issues there as well. We had over 25%. When it came to EMEA, we had nearly 30%. When it came to North America, at the point where things went a bit strange, <laughs> we had nearly a 50% hit rate. So it's uh, and the fact that we've had more than three thousand people go back, separate individual people, outside those original signups, over three thousand have gone back and reviewed that recording of that seminar. So it's it's just amazing. And, and for those of you listening, that day the internet went a bit strange. Now you know why. <laughs> yes. So it's been. It's, it's all been, Jason's fault. It was. So it's uh, it's quite it's quite incredible the amount of interest here, and it is fantastic. It's. Uh, so really, really looking forward uh, to our customers actually getting this installed. And, of course, you know, it's not over there. Support Pack 1, we're already yep. already planning for Support Pack 1. Obviously, SP1 is going to be SLES 10 SP2 for our customers, so they get the very latest Support Pack from SUSE Linux. We're also adding some new features that we didn't quite get to in the initial release of OES 2. So those of you wondering where it went, Domain Services for Windows is going to be in SP1. So great integration with Active Directory, uh, really good option, lots of customer interest, lots of customer interest around this. Be very, very pleased once this is released. I've been personally working on uh, that for over two years. Uh, in addition to Open Enterprise Server 2. And, so. and it's one of those things we need to take our time with and make sure that it's 100% rock solid. It has to it. work, and yeah. it has to work consistently, and it has to work so our customers trust it. One of the reasons it did not go into the initial OES 2 release is we got it to our customer sites. David will know this uh, very well. And it worked to a point, but there was enough issues and idiosyncrasies with getting it stable that we elected, okay, we need to take some extra time on this one. A lot of application integration required to make it work well. Absolutely. So we need to keep working on that one. The team is keep keeping the pressure up on this. Uh, just because OS2 ship doesn't mean the engineering teams can actually just sit back and relax. They're keeping on going on uh, domain services for Windows. Uh, oh, AFP support. What? Yeah, oh, yes, AFP support. It is in. It's going to be there for And SP1. that's one of the final things you mentioned to me? I know. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> I knew you were going to love that one. So AFP support, Apple Filing Protocol. It's going to be in uh, OES2 SP1. Use your e-directory username and password. Authenticate from your Mac OS desktop. Get access to your files. Excellent. Uh, yeah, we just went through some of the final engineering reviews. You know, just just silly stuff like what kind of authentication me mechanism should we use? We actually went for Diffie-Hellman because yep. that's the standard authentication mechanism that Apple uses for AFP. We were looking at Kerberos but realized, no, AFP defaults to DHX2. So DHX2 is there. And also, you know, what versions of AFP we're going to use. That kind of thing. So, yeah, so we're, we're really pleased and excited that's in there, integrated into eDirectory. Oh, cool. Yeah, so no need for you to do separate configuration on your SLES server. But I still have some weird limitations in password length, though, I assume. We are going to be linking in as close as humanly possible with how Apple does their yeah, passwords. Yeah, they do. If I remember, they still lock you into an eight-character uh, password. There's some bizarre oddities around that, and it's to do a lot to do with DHX2 more than anything else. So... We'll probably end up with a universal password policy somewhere <laughs> along the line about cool. that one. Uh, or not, as the case may be. Uh, right. Oh, by the way, Samba in OES2. Forgot to talk about Samba in OES2 from a management point of view. Samba management plugins in iManager. Oh, neat. Yep, so you can create Samba shares in iManager, stop and start Samba on the server, oh, very cool. assign users, and we have a Samba universal password policy. 
Oh, so okay. which is uh, fixes which is, that, sure. Which is fixes fixes that as well. I mean, I could carry on here for another two hours about just all the updates, changes, modifications, all the cool things we did. Great deal of them were done because our customers asked for them. Sure. I mean, that's the other thing as product manager. You don't sit in an office and, you know, in a darkened room with the door shut and stare at a screen and then figure, hmm, what could we do today? <laughs> well, okay, so that does happen. But <clears throat> when it came to Open Enterprise Server 2, we realized that we had a wealth of feedback from our customers about all the things we did right in Open Enterprise Server and all the things we did wrong. Right. So we went back and we took a look at a lot of those customer requests, talked to our customers, and that's where Open Enterprise Server 2 happened. I mean, things like iFolder 3.6, all stuff our customers said yep. this is what we loved about 2.1 this is what we don't like about 3 this is what we love about 3 this is what we'd like to see in the future dynamic storage technology designed by our large customers it wasn't designed by engineering wasn't designed by product management it was designed by our customers and then implemented through PM and engineering so it'll probably be usable then <laughs> engineers didn't design it in, on the whole engineers didn't design it so yeah it should be pretty usable so it's uh, the policies are very easy and self-explanatory nice little reporting engine very simple to set up very easy to use uh, so and, not, and just so we're clear dave is an engineer so he was poking himself no more error 63 uh, i certainly <laughs> hope not <laughs> so in that one all right, so, yeah, well, it's just great. I mean, it, it's, been a, it's been a long journey. We've had some incredible effort by our engineering department, some amazing effort by our customers. It has been just an awesome project to be involved with. I mean, I'm just bursting at the seams to get this into the hands of our customers and see what they do with it. Cool. Well, Jason Williams, thanks a lot for uh, swinging by and talking to us. You bet. Thank thanks you. a lot, Aaron. Thanks, David. Thanks to Jason Williams for joining Aaron and myself to talk about uh, Novell Open Enterprise Server 2. It is available, so if you want, you can go ahead and download the code and start to play with it now. Have fun. Thanks a lot. That's it for this episode of Novell Open Audio. Remember that Novell Open Audio is brought to you by Novell Users International, as well as Novell Incorporated. Most of our content is directed by our listener community, so please send us your feedback by email at openaudio at novell.com or by leaving comments on our website at novell.com slash openaudio. That's it for this time. Have a good one. <laughs> <laughs>